Hi, I'm Diane with Best Life, Best Death. And this is my first official podcast. And I'm very excited to have a special guest here today. I've asked my friend Adam to join us. My daughter and Adam's daughter have known each other since kindergarten and they play on a soccer team together. And last spring, when we were standing around the soccer field on some sunny Saturday morning, Adam told me this story of what had happened around a death in his family. And I thought it was such a moving kind of encapsulation of what can happen. So welcome, Adam. Hey, thanks, Diane. It's great to be with you as always. And you. um, you're, kind, well, you're kind to involve me. Thanks. Well, we're, you know, I'm excited. I think Best Life, Best Death is all about conversations and sharing experiences and seeing how those impact us. So, so tell me again, take us back to that um, day several years ago and what, what happened for you. Gosh, okay. So my, uh, my wife, Beth, and I uh, had had our first child. Uh, she was born, in, my wife was born and raised in Hawaii. So we were living in Hawaii at the time. Uh, it was 2005. Our son had been born in December of 04. And our, uh, my dad was in the later stages of Alzheimer's and had moved into a hospice. And it was, it was quite hard to be in Hawaii with uh, my dad located where I grew up, which is back in Connecticut. So we were a haul away from spending time with him and I'd grown up spending a lot of time with him. So that, that, that itself was kind of challenging at that stage in his life to be so far away. Um, but um, there we were, we had our first child uh, in December of four and sp- stayed in close touch and uh, wasn't traveling a lot during that period with a newborn, our first newborn. And um, come May, I got a call from my family saying, hey, you know, dad's declining rapidly uh, in hospice and, you know, in a process that hospice recognizes with their expertise to be the latter stages. And, um, you know, if you want to see him, you got to you got to come on. And so, you know, what better time to introduce dad to his his grandson. Right. And uh, we we packed up our five five month old uh, uh, grand uh, son, David. And uh, it was our first time putting a child on a plane, which if, for all the parents out there, you know, you got to make sure you bring your toys, your, your, your edibles and all the things that they're going to need, you know, in, in the flight. Um, and, and but we were in such a rush to just kind of figure out how to call the airlines, get a plane from Hawaii to, to the northeast as quickly as we could and get our body into a, that hospice to spend time with dad that we didn't think of any of that stuff. So we show up at the Honolulu airport. We've got you know minimal clothes, no toys. Hop on a plane, and by the way, the only um, the only itinerary we could find on short notice that we could afford was Honolulu, L.A. L- all this with a five-month-old. Uh, L.A., St. Louis, St. Louis, Newark, and then hop on a transit bus from Newark to Penn Station in New York City. Get the subway from Penn Station, New York City, over to Grand Central, New York City, and then hop on the Metro North Rail up through New Haven, change trains to a train that would go to Brantford, where his hospice was. And so we're thinking, you know, no problem. We've done never done this with uh, kids before, but we can figure this out. Anyway, we hop on the plane in Honolulu and uh, it's an overnight flight. Um, and uh, so the lights go out at about, you know, sort of 20 minutes after left lift off, maybe 30 minutes after left off. Everybody you can tell is getting quiet and going to sleep. And uh, suddenly David decides it's time to yell bloody murder and uh, just start screaming his head off. 
And so we literally, they, they turned all the lights on the plane on again for our child because he was making so much noise and nobody could sleep anyway. I took him into the, into the bathroom and had a little chat with a five-month-old pretending he could understand all my English and said, you really need to go to sleep here, David. Everybody's trying to sleep. Went back. Eventually, he fell asleep and we, we arrived in L.A. We transferred, headed to St. Louis, transferred, headed to Newark, did all the transit I just, transit I just mentioned. In any case, we show up in Brantford the next day, uh, you know, after an overnight red eye and mom and dad are a little tired. David's raring to go. He's doing, doing great. And um, I spent a little time with dad and it was, I, it had been at least, you know, uh, probably nine months since I'd seen him. And uh, that was meaningful time, but I was starved, Diane. I, you know, you can imagine the flight and David was pretty hungry, but I was just famished. And so I just, I hopped out of the room and, uh, and it was a, you know, big hospice building. I just went searching for a vending machine. If I could find a, you know, peanut butter cracker or whatever it was to stuff in my face, that would be terrific. And uh, I'm wandering down the hall and this big guy walks by me. And I mean, um, you know, just a really, really hulking human being, big presence. And um, I didn't say anything. I was pretty bleary eyed. But he just said, without any greeting, he said, have you said what you need to say? And I sort of did a double take and I looked, at, looked back at him and I said, I'm sorry. He said, have you said what you need to say? And I said, I'm sorry, my name's Adam. I said, are, are you the chaplain here? Because that was my best guess with that kind of, kind of piercing question that he was asking me. And he said, yeah, but that doesn't matter. He said, have you said what you need to say? And I said, no. So I told my stomach to shut up. I turned around and, and went back to dad's room and I spent a good 30 to 40 minutes, you know, meaningfully with him saying what I needed to say. Uh, at the kind invitation of this guy that I had never met before. Um, and that was really important. Uh, and I didn't realize as I was doing it, how important, but as I look back, that time was really important. Um, anyway, uh, after I'd spent that time, I, I opened up the door and, and some family came in and we wheeled dad down the hall to the chapel uh, for a time, what was a scheduled ecumenical service there in the hospice that they provide. And um, we were, they opened the service with amazing grace and I was there with dad and some family my, and, uh, you know, my wife, Beth and our son, David, and, uh, who thank God had met his grandfather and right there in the amazing grace in the first, in the first, uh, or first verse, dad's uh, chest stopped going up and down, stopped breathing. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful as I look back that maybe he heard some of the things he wasn't conscious when we spent that time together. But, uh, you know, we hear stories about people waiting and holding on. Maybe he was waiting to meet his grandson. Uh, maybe he was just waiting to kind of, you know, connect with family that he hadn't seen recently. But he let go. He released. And I was so plat you know, happy he did because he was fighting a hard battle. He'd been fighting it for 12 years. And I'd gotten a chance to say what I needed to say and introduce David to him and have our family spend time with him. Um, so anyway, it was just an incredible time. I, 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 I the... That hulking man who had walked by him in the hall, he was the one presiding over our, cha our chapel service. And I looked up at him and he caught my eye and he saw what had happened and he, he knew. And uh, just kind of like he knew in the hallway that I hadn't said what I needed to say without even seeing me. Maybe he'd heard I was coming or not. I don't know. But 
anyway, Diane, uh, all of these uh, impactful, meaningful times that you can't anticipate, you know, whether it be, you know, four four flights, three buses and two trains or or just that moment in the hallway, but, but more importantly, the moment when I, with my dad, it, it played out at the end of life when meaningful things tend to play out if we're open to following the signals of them. And uh, it's forever will be one of the most meaningful episodes of my life. Thank you, Adam. It's just, it's, it's, it's such a moving story. When you told it to me on the soccer field and when I hear it again now, I'm just so touched by how we don't always know what we need to show up for. And, um, you know, the first time you told me the story, I almost expected to hear that, that that man actually didn't exist. You know, he was just a spirit who came and told you to speak, you know. But in fact, yeah. he, he, you know, he knew and he knew what was the most important thing in that moment to say even though you were rushing in from elsewhere and needed food and there were all these logistics, really what was so powerful was to spend some more time with your dad. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing where you find wisdom. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't find it inside very often, but, but luckily uh, we, we find it around us all the time. And um, anyway, what, what you're doing is such an impactful uh impact on so many people in an impactful times and periods in their life i'm i'm just really wishing all the blessings for you as you build this out and uh it's incredible to be able to share with you beautiful well thanks and if anybody listening to this podcast has a story that they'd like to share uh this is one of the things i'd like to do with the podcast is kind of hit on some of these really powerful stories that are so touching when we share them as humans i want to end with one question adam um tell me something you're grateful for today I am grateful that uh, our kids uh, had an hour late start to school this morning. And so I got to spend time, you know, slicing banana into a banana bowl, into cereal bowls and having breakfast with my kids with a little bit more time than we usually do in the morning. Um, and now as I tell this story and I think about young David, who's now six foot four and as a 16 year old and and doesn't exactly look like he did when we traveled to see his grandfather the one time that I met him, but uh, spent some time with both of our kids and my wife this morning in a little bit less harried way. And that was a blessing. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Adam. Best Life, Best Death podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Diane.